Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Deconstruction Zone. We're on one of our unique but growing more frequent uh, video episodes where, well, I guess they're all video episodes. That's a stupid thing to say. But a Zoom episode where we're engaged in this way. Uh, and we are blessed beyond measure to have our guest. Uh, <laughs> Carlos, you host the Deconstruct Everything podcast. We were just We just did an episode with you. We were talking about how you kind of found us through TikTok, uh, but have been on your own deconstruction journey, started the podcast. And so why don't you just introduce yourself, like who you are, tell us a little about your podcast, and then maybe like a short snippet of like why you are into the deconstruction movement and a part of this journey yourself. So if you've discovered Deconstruction Zone, um, it was probably through that viral video. I mean, it was for me. And um, that viral video being the, the, that it sucks to lose community. And um, <clears throat> that's kind of what happened to me over the past three years. And it was compounded on top of the, the, the pandemic happening. Right. And like, so it was like, I feel like it was extra worse for, for people who are construction, deconstructing now. That you're not only are you like not seeing people at church every week, you're also leaving church. <laughs> um, and I felt like I needed to. This sounds really silly, but it's just the way my brain works. I needed like organized, scheduled time to talk to people because if I don't do that, then I was going to die. And so I feel like the podcast was kind of like an excuse for me to like it forced me to go out, meet friends and talk to people. And I feel like I gained a friend in our recording of <laughs> for our podcast, you know, like, um, you know, I that's one sided. <laughs> yeah we're not friends. Um, <laughs> um but i feel like that's what it's been for me for the podcast and um uh it's it's scheduled talking to people and um that's that's how it started for me like um but yeah that's that's the reason why and and i'm deconstructing that's what's happening in my life so the that's what a lot of the conversations are about um yeah so carlos you were in full-time ministry I was if you're willing to share like what was the process of because I'm sure before you left ministry you were having questions for a while and then something was like I'm ready to go so it's I'm I'm gonna try y'all episodes are are 30 minutes right (laughs) (laughs) it's a long story but I'll I'll try to sum it up as best I can so I um I was born in Dominican no um I was in ministry my (laughs) whole life you know I was a, a four day a week Christian, you know, I was at church all the time. And um, that got to the point where I was like, I really want to do this full time. I want to be in ministry. Um, I'm a musician. I went to Berkeley College of Music and I wanted to use my gift for the Lord. And um, I got into um, songwriting and production and I was doing um, uh, Spanish translations for Bethel. Um, and so there's there's some versions of, of Bethel songs out there that are in Spanish because of of me. <laughs> um, but um, you know, I was really into to that, and I discovered this mega church in my state. Um, and I knew that like the church that I'd grown up in, uh, which is like you know a smaller all Hispanic church, um, wasn't gonna cut it in terms of me finding a a, a job that was gonna help me pay rent and you know, be in ministry. So I started attending the local mega church 
And within months, I was hired. Like I was at this church in, I, I started visiting in around May and I was on staff by September, October. And, um, and I worked there for five and a half years. Um, and while I was there, you know, my mind started opening up to all new things. I mean, I grew up in the faith in a, in an all Hispanic, all, I mean, it was people of color, you know, that's, that's who I was surrounded by all the time. And the mega church was not that. <laughs> and, um, uh, o- over time, I, you know, 2015 happened and like, um, I discovered Bernie Sanders and forget about it. It was, it was a done deal by that point. <laughs> Um, and, um, I remember getting written up for having conversations with people at, in the lobby about like, you know, Jesus was a, was a refugee. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, it was the, um, also a time that I was like discovering my Dominicanness because being, I'm, I'm, I was born in DR, but like being around Hispanics all the time, you don't, you just think you're just kind of blend in with the, with the crowd and you're, you know, being Hispanic is just default. Like I scroll through my contacts list. Everyone has an EZ at the end of their name. Um, but um, when I started um, attending the mega church, like I was suddenly like a token and I was, and, and it like, I stood out like a sore thumb and um, that like opened up my mind and my spirit to a lot of things that I just never thought about before. And by 2020, I'd gotten written up enough times <laughs> that I was fired and I was, I was fired um, four days before Christmas I had a two-month-old uh, child. Um, I had just finished uh, redesigning the church's website. Um, and I think they, like, waited for me to finish. <laughs> That's my theory that I hold to this day. Um, like, two days before that, we had, like, a Zoom all-staff meeting that had, um, uh, you know, it was, like, over 100 people on staff. Like, this huge Zoom call. And the pastor um, photoshopped my face onto a Time magazine. And was like Carlos is um, uh, part of it, the, the 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 team that built the website, um, a, a team of the year. It, and he photoshopped our faces onto like Avengers bodies, like we were all ripped. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we won team of the year, and I was fired like three days after that. <laughs> right. um, and um, it was the first time that, like, in my life, that I didn't have a church to go to on Sunday, and like. Um, my wife and I were like, we're, we're not going to go to church for a while. Like we need this break. And, um, the reason I actually got fired was like, I called out like racism on some pat some person on Facebook or whatever that I didn't know was a pastor. So they like, you know, like one of your pastors of the church. No, no, it was like some other pastor in New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. I just doxed myself. (laughs) There aren't that many mega churches in New Jersey. So you're going to find me. Um, but, um, (laughs) no, it's okay. But, um, the, um, during those couple months, um, I, I got, I'm in our previous um, podcast recording, we, we use this metaphor about it being like a relationship, but like, I, I never, I had never been single. So um, I was like, immediately look, I was rebounding and we jumped into the first church we could find. <laughs> and I started attending this church and um, within three months I was um, on like volunteer staff. <laughs> literally recorded an album with these people <laughs> was like in songwriting sessions and we had like um hillsong come in and like we were writing with them and it was it was this whole thing and i, was, I remember sitting there in this hillsong writing session and be like i don't think i believe in god anymore <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like to myself. And I remember like I was playing guitar and I just looked out. We were like in on this stage doing like, you know, working out um like a new song. Um and um I remember playing like, what if like this was all fake? And I remember thinking like strumming and being like, um, what what is the ripple effect that I'm having right now? Like this could potentially be like a big hit, you know, like we're recording a song right now that might lead it might lead someone to like literally change their life and jump into um you know pursuing a, a life with christ and i'm like am i like tainting this am i like poisoning the the wine or whatever like is like what's happening right now and that was when i first started really thinking about it and um a couple months after that um you know slowly but surely i um i told the worship pastors like i can't in good faith continue to serve and that was the last time i attended church hmm. Um, and that was, I mean, it's where December, that was like May. So it was relatively recent. And I mean, it had been happening for me. I didn't realize it had been happening for me for years. Um, but that's when I finally hit that point where it's like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. Um, and that's my story. Yeah. Well, your story, I mean, Emily, I don't need to share your story for you, but that's like, I mean, essentially your story, the well was Emily's I rebound. I mean, I, I hate <laughs> saying that, like. I don't like saying that because I love the well and the well showed me that I didn't have to choose between the two. And I don't, I'm not like the well definitely was my rebound, but I'm not against getting back together with the well <laughs> eventually. You know what I'm saying, Danny? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't like to say that you guys were my rebound because it was so much more than that. But like, yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, a hundred percent Carlos, like it was, I mean, I immediately, and part of this is on me and my like need to feel like I only have value if I'm serving a lot, but like jumped right into the well. And I was like, what can I do to serve and do all this? And like got to preach, which was still to this day, like a life-changing moment for me as a woman that I was allowed to do that, like was so incredible. But it, I just like jumped all in and then, and realized that like I hadn't really spent time being single or like healing and was like burning out because I jumped right back in just like I do in any other church and not actually caring for like what I needed in my spiritual journey and so like it, it, I mean it is because it, it, it's hard to be single mm -hmm. I was I was single for like single <laughs> I was church single for like uh three months I think before I joined the well and I was like I have to get into like a relationship again mm -hmm. I'm really just again hammering this analogy but it's like I like couldn't be alone. I don't, I don't even think it's an analogy. It, I mean, the Bible yeah. refers to it as a relationship. You know, like that's that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like I, I, you know, I didn't want to be a nothingist. I didn't want to be agnostic. To me, those were like icky words that I wanted nothing to do with. And I'm embracing them now, but I, 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 I'd always grown up being told it's like you, you need, you need something. You know, you need faith. You need like it's you can't live without this stuff, and you'll die and you'll wither into this hellbound, like creature or whatever. And you know, like I still even to this day, I still get like that feeling. You know, I don't, I don't have, I don't possess the belief that I'm going to hell, but I still get that feeling that I'm going to hell like, yeah. all the time. Um, for I think for me, it was like to say that like I don't think I'm a Christian anymore felt like everyone who warned me against deconstruction was right 
Mm. And that was really hard for me to be open about that because I would always be like, I can ask questions and that doesn't mean that I'm not a Christian, like chill out. And then, <laughs> but then I was like, oh, so this kind of led to like where you guys thought it would lead. Now, I don't think that this means that I'm going to hell like you guys do, but it's still frustrating because part of me feels like they called it <laughs> and I'm very stubborn and I don't like that. <laughs> so I have an interesting, like, and this is a kind of question for both of you, but like, so each of your stories of deconstruction start with a person or an institution, not a belief. Right. And belief things came later. And maybe there were there were belief things underneath that you like Carlos, you said this a little bit ago. It's like you were you were you had some doubts and reservations maybe earlier on. And like you said, like being going from a space that you're mostly around people of color and then you're in a primarily white space, I'm sure that like I don't know how long even occupying a space like that would have been that healthy for you. But um like how much do you connect the two, right? Like, cause there's these catalytic moments that, that seem to be what start the deconstruction. And I'm always like in, intrigued by this because it's like, say there was never that catalytic moment. Would you still be deeply devoted? Like, cause you're singing there and you're in this, you're playing your car. Like, do I believe this is all fake? Would you have prayed that same prayer of, is this all fake? Had you not been fired? Ooh, that's a or, prayer. <laughs> and like, and Emily, mm. would you have not have you like gone through this journey had you not had such a traumatic experience like in your internship or in some of these like how much did those moments you think impact the later on deconstruction and wrestling with certain beliefs i i, I could tell you how it looked like for me so i remember um you know the way that my my time in church looked was i would constantly refer to being at church as being like a nourishing thing it's like you have this mm -hmm. thing in you, you have your spirit, you have your belief, you have your faith, and it needs to be nourished, like it needs to be cultivated and, and cared for. And um, I always saw, and part of the reason why I rebounded so quickly was I, I always saw um, not doing that, like not engaging weekly church practice and hearing a sermon every week as being like, I'm going to wither on the vine, like that thing in me is going to die. And um, when I like I had never not gone to church. Like I've always gone to church. I remember when I was a kid, one time we didn't go to church one time because we had like a family reunion and I was like, we're going to go to hell. Like <laughs> we missed church this week to have fun with our families. Like this is not good. Yeah. Um, And I've always kind of felt that way where it's like, you need a shepherd, you need a church, you need, you need to hear a weekly sermon to keep it alive. And when it stopped, um, I was like, oh my gosh, this is why. The reason why I needed it to be that way is because it's almost like if you're you're running on empty on a car and you're constantly getting a drop of, of gas and DR, there's people that ride motorcycles and they'll literally give their motorcycle one squirt. <laughs> they'll go to like the gas station and they mm -hmm. go, Chit! <laughs> it's like, that'll get me through the day. Literally, it'll last them the whole day. Um, and I felt that way about, about church. It's like my mm -hmm. faith was at a point where I needed to be in, in a nourishing environment for the faith, because as soon as I get into these questions, I was out. Like, as soon as I thought, like, um, what do we do about gay people? It's like, well, let's think about how you're going to treat your wife this week, or let's think about something else. Let's Like, the conversation was constantly being redirected. And I yep. think that if you just, if, like, if we had, like, like, if, if a pastor did this thing where it's like, well, we're going to not go to church for one month, 
we're just going to cancel church for a month. Like half the congregation would leave. <laughs> like that's how I felt. And <clears throat> I feel like the pandemic did that for a lot of people. It's like yeah. my, my wife, I remember because I was in ministry, I had to uh, wake up super early, like 5.30 in the morning. And um, I would leave the house. I had to leave. Yeah, no, I, I had to leave the house by like six fifteen, right? And my, you know, we have toddlers, so my wife was like, "I'm not doing that. Like, get out of here. Like, um, I'll, I'll meet you there later if if I meet you there at all." Because um, <laughs> you know, my my kids were little. I had a at the time I had a one year old and a newborn, and um, so she didn't go to church like ever. <laughs> she went to church, especially during the pandemic. It was like, I'm, "We're not doing this," and um, like I couldn't stay and like help her. Like it was it was logistically difficult. And I saw it happening to her. And I was like, is this, is this what's going to happen? Like, this is what happens, you know, like when you don't go to church. And um, when it started happening for me, just because the church hurt or whatever. Um, and that, and this is another mistake that I feel like a lot of Christians make. It's like, oh, you're just deconstruction because of church hurt. It's like, no, that was just the catalyst that got me out for a little bit. You know, like, yeah, it's been kind of happening for a while for me. Um and and I also get things where it's like, um, well, you were probably never Christian to begin with. It's like, dude, I was like, <laughs> I was like writing Christian music. Like there's songs that you've sang. I probably was part of writing. Like I was in it, you know, and and I believed it more than anything. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's I think that's interesting, right? Like kind of at the end of that, Carlos, you kind of got back to Danny's question of like, if so if those things hadn't happened would we be where we are and i just as i was processing it i was like if there was so many things in that time that it was like a perfect storm of like one of them if zero of them would happened maybe it would have taken me longer but i i think there will always be if there are things if there are doubts and questions in you anything can become a catalyst I would say so like right around that time because I think like my internship happened the pandemic happened um I got into a relationship with a non-presbyterian um and then like I started stand-up comedy and started like being around people that were different than me Mm. for like the first time and so like all of those things played into it Yes, maybe if none of those four things had happened, it wouldn't be on this timeline. I think that's totally fair to say, but I think that I think that anything can be a catalyst if you're ready to deconstruct. If that makes sense. Yeah, I get that because I think like I one misconception people have about me like as a pastor is like, I don't have doubts. Like there are things that I like wrestle with and I doubt and like, and I try to be as open with it, like not only for my own sake, but for people understanding it's like to be a pastor doesn't mean that you have all the answers. And if someone says they have no doubts to all the answers, you're like talking to a liar probably. <laughs> and so it's like to be as open and honest, I think is interesting. And so I just think about it, like my divorce could have been a catalyst, right? Or like there are other things mm. that could have been, weren't the case for me. And so I was like exploring that because I think, Again, our experiences impact how our faith goes, our deconstruction. I even think you two are so interesting because you're on completely opposite ends of the spectrum of religion in some ways. Like you're, you're worshiping the same God, but from my assumption is like, you're pretty like charismatic 
Carlos. Is that right? Yeah, like, and, and Emily is much more mind. So we got like heart on one side and mind on the other, but you both ended up in the same place. And I think there's mm-hmm. an interesting thread of the journey of deconstruction there. It's like, it's not just one denomination or one type or one um, ethos that of people that are deconstructing. It's kind of like people from all different walks of life and different faith spaces are finding themselves here. And that's the reason I think this conversation is so important because it's like, it's such a diverse group of people that are a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Diversity. (laughs) So, I mean, so speaking of diversity, (laughs) solid segue, I'm really, (laughs) I think we have the same, I I am ready. I go ahead. (laughs) Okay. I didn't mean to cut you off Carlos, but I'm really intrigued if you're willing to talk about it, um, by the idea of like decolonizing faith or colonization and deconstruction, because that's something that is like to white people, like Danny and I don't really relate to that in the same way that maybe you do or view it in the same way that you do. So I would really love to hear kind of how that came up and how you continue to think about that and how that shaped your journey. It shaped it a lot. <laughs> um, my, uh, mm-hmm. I, I told the story a bunch of another podcast, whatever, but um, my grandmothers died, both of them, within a year of each other, um, around the same time. Like one died like late 2020. I'm messing the years up, but it was like 2019 and 2020. Um, and my like connection to Dominican Republic was like withering, and like a lot of my family is moving here to the states, and I still have a couple of uncles down there. But it's like I wanted to like get in touch with my Dominicanness. Like I wanted to like reconnect with my roots. I mean, I w- it's not even like like old you know it's not even that far back in my in my family's history like i was literally born there so it's like i just i wanted to feel connected to dominican public as i was before and i started like reading books and just getting into dominican culture and whatever and i just realized how much of the faith or the christianity had an impact on on dominican history and um i'm like man this is like it's i i started to see um dominicans almost kind of like how americans see people that live in the middle east it's like it's these religious countries it's like you're i I remember um uh as a christian i'd be like you're just muslim because you were like you came from a muslim country (laughs) (laughs) and eventually i realized like i'm i'm christian for the same reason like it's it's no different um Mm -hmm. and um and then there's also like the the thing about colonization with like um like race and stuff so like dominican republic it was like if I think the the first, if not one of the first places where uh, Christopher Columbus uh, landed, and I grew up in a in an anti-Columbus household. Like Columbus was like Hitler in in my in my mom's to this day, my mom still feels that way. And like, um, what well, I still have these conversations with my mom. It's like, mom, you're only Christian because Columbus was, <laughs> and she hates that. She like oh. hates hearing that. Um, and and I can't I can't shake that fact. It's something that, like, I think about often, and um, and it's had a, a big impact on how I, I I see Christian faith nowadays. I think it's it, no, like it's so interesting because I remember being in college and talking about colonization and about how like so much of it was just getting other like other people in other countries to be Christian, mm-hmm. and it was so I like when I was still a fundamentalist hearing those stories was so weird because I was like holding in tune like okay well you just completely disrespected and like messed up like this whole 
culture and just infiltrated it. But at the same time, I was like, but at least now they're not going to hell. So it's like, <laughs> when you know what I'm saying? So like as a fundamentalist, yeah. it's very hard to engage that conversation if you still believe in hell, in my opinion. Because you can, like all day, you can be like, yeah, that was kind of shitty. But you're also like, but at least you're saved. So mm -hmm. I think I wasn't able to enter into that conversation even a little bit until I deconstructed the idea of like a literal hell where non-believers go. What about you, Danny? Yeah, I I don't exactly know the question you're asking me, but I um, I do think it's almost impossible to be an evangelist without being a colonist. Like, I mean, mm. evangelism mm. is colonization, right? And I think that's such an interesting thing. And like, I I wrestle with that because like I think faith, and I have like I I have interesting and personal be held beliefs on heaven and hell, but I also like I actively want to share my faith with people because i think it matters and i think that it's been formative for me but there's a difference in like like offering someone something and then forcing them to receive it and like that's the difference between um i think sharing your faith and faith and colonizing people with your faith and i even think like in the methodist church right like the methodist church is kind of religiously colonized africa and right now we're about to split over inclusion and it's there's a lot of like conservative voices in Africa that are Methodist. And I was like, well, it's because you colonized them with conservative voice. Like you told them what they had to believe. And now you're mad that they believe it. And so I think <laughs> there's, there's, I just think there's an interesting connection. And like Emily said, I'm a pretty, like, we're two just like white people within the conversation, but we want to engage conversations of racial justice. Well, I realized, I mean, you talked about 2015 being, a big time in life and there's been a lot of like issues of racial inequality and injustice in the past decade that i mean they've been happening forever but that have been really publicized and the thing that i've realized like just because like i'm a white person in the conversation doesn't mean that i can't engage in the conversation it's like mm -hmm. you engage in it but also not go to the default of being like the colonizer of the conversation right like i think that's as a straight white guy i hold about as much privilege as a human can have and so I always have to toe the line of humility and leveraging that privilege for the sake of good, you know? And, and I think also like something I'm processing, I'm an English teacher. And so like, I find a lot of value in reading the text at the time. And so when you think about like Columbus and colonizing and things like that, if you read the writings around that time, it's all of like, well, we have to convert these people because they're barbarians and they have like nothing to offer. And so like Danny, I was thinking about you, like, you're like, well, I still want to like share my faith. And I think we all, I think we all want to share things that we love and bring us joy. And I don't mm. think that that is inherently colonizing, especially in my opinion, Carlos, you may disagree. If like, you're not viewing that person as like wrong until they agree with you. But to say mm. like, like, I love pizza. Okay. And if I'm like, if I'm like, you guys should all try pizza as if it's like some crazy thing. <laughs> like you guys would love it. I'm not going to be like, well, you're an idiot and you bring no value to the table <laughs> until you try pizza. Like yeah. to me, that's where I hear the difference. But Carlos, you may, you may have a different perspective on that. I think for me, it was kind of like um, realizing that what I believed at the time was dogma. It's like Columbus and the colonizers mm -hmm. or whatever. They came with this idea and it was a, like a pre-built thing. And I was just kind of accepting things as just being inherently true. Um, like it was essentially like I, I inherited some of these beliefs. 
and deconstruction for me has been kind of like dismantling it's like well maybe this you know maybe this doesn't have to be true maybe god isn't necessarily good even if he does exist like that sort of thing like these are conversations that like i wasn't having before um because i hadn't realized until now that like they were it was it was dogma you know and um yeah i'm still doing that because like, i'm still going through like one concept a week it's like a, like my new thing is like free will it's like do christians really believe in free will if the choice is hell or or it's like believe or go to hell <laughs> um and Emily's <laughs> like that's a taste too <laughs> um but um that's another time-consuming <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, I do think we had uh, we had Tim Whitaker on from the New Evangelicals. I think I, I mentioned them to you. I don't know if you follow him or not. He's a really good follow in the kind of deconstruction space. Um, someone maybe like me who's like not left their faith, but is like trying to dis dismantle kind of what he knew. But he used a great phrase, and it sounds like a little bit of where you're at, and I think it rang true for where Emily's at. Like a lot of deconstruction, whether you end up uh, like a deeply devoted Christian at the end, or you're a functional agnostic or whatever it is, or an atheist, I think is a lot of untangling was the term he used. Like, cause all mm -hmm. of it's up in each other. And it's like, you didn't realize that the connection between heaven and hell and free will and predestination and all of these other things. And, and then adding some of the other elements on top of it of cultural context and all that kind of stuff. And that's what I think we don't always do justice to in the conversation is understanding that these things are way more interconnected and tangled up than we ever yep. thought they were. And they are not like neat boxed out theologies. They are interwoven. And we use this early on. Like I said, it's like a Jenga tower and you pull enough out, it's going to fall. Hmm. <laughs> that was so good. I killed the conversation. <laughs> But also what I was thinking of is you use this analogy, Danny, of the Jenga tower, but then you don't even realize it and you've built another tower with the same blocks. Yeah. And that is so true, right? Because it's like, in some ways, the blocks feel inescapable. Like you want new blocks, but you're using the same blocks and you're building a different tower. And all of a sudden you'll be like, oh my God, but that is Calvinism. <laughs> like, oh, that is colonization, even in my new belief system for, for me really and it's like you don't have to build a tower <laughs> you could just like build like a dinosaur like you could build whatever you want <laughs> and that's that for me was like impossible i like i didn't mm. see it as possible it's like you give the you give me these pieces like what is this tower going to look like it's like it doesn't mm. be a tower at all um one thing that helped me a lot um i don't know if you've heard of um uh, should i say christian by brian mclaren um it was really helpful for me it was it's this book that um it kind of like um sells both directions it's like should i stay christian or not and the first half of the book is like here's why you shouldn't and the second half of the book is like here's why you should and then the last part of the book is just kind of like um helping you process you know the decision and mm. what what the decision should look like and i feel like whether you are um uh deconstructing or not or whatever if you just want to understand someone who's deconstructing what wherever you are in the journey um it's helpful like it'll leave you a more healthy thinker i think mm. um should i say christian by mclaren that's good it's written down well i have enjoyed this conversation unfortunately i'm the a-hole who has a hard stop in recording but we <laughs> yeah. uh you had us on your podcast we said this we like we gotta do this again i would actually love to have you on again just to discuss even deeper like i think we dipped a toe into some of the kind of 
racial issues that are in deconstruction, also the topic of colonization. And I think that's so interesting in the sense that like Emily and I have been in our part of this conversation, but our, my favorite thing about guests is we see the, the cube from a different angle by having different people speak into it. And so I would love to have this conversation again and dive deeper into that. Um, but before we wrap up, like you, um, like what would be, if you could give some level of like, uh, you said a nugget on yours. Usually we end with encouragement. Like what would be your encouragement for someone in deconstruction? But like, I mean, it's your thought, your, your table, like what would you want to leave our listeners with um, before we go? I've said this on another podcast, but I'm and I'm going to say it again. Um, give yourself permission. It's like give yourself permission to start the journey, or you know, or whatever the case is, you know. And I think that like some Christians are afraid of like starting this. Like I don't want to start pulling on the string because I might lose my sweater. It's like there's there's a solid chance that you'll just end up being a more faithful Christian after this. And I've seen it happen many, many times. I've seen it happen as often as not the case. Like I've seen them both happen mm -hmm. equally. Yeah. And so um, I think you'll, you'll be in a healthier place than, than not giving yourself permission hmm. to, to ask the questions and do the research and do the reading, whatever. Uh, but that book, that book helped me a lot. Um, uh, yeah. That's, that's my, my um, encouragement is give yourself permission to, to take it apart and see what you end up with. Awesome. I like that. Give, that's a really, I love that. Sorry, Emily, before you, like, you did <laughs> this question in the beginning, Carlos. So tell, just say a little bit more about your podcast and where people can find it. Because I don't, you like said it had a name, but I don't think you said much about it. Oh, yeah. You could find it at depod.net. All the links are there. Perfect. All right. Emily, I can. All right. Go. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, Check out Carlos's Deconstruct Everything podcast. And Carlos, we're so thankful that you had this conversation with us and provided a new perspective. And as always, everybody, thanks for listening and embrace the journey. <laughs> <laughs>